Hi, my name's Brian, and like most of you, I'm staying at home during the pandemic. To pass the time, I decided to get some of my friends on the record about what they're cooking, how they're doing, and anything else that might be on their minds. Join me on What's Eating You. Welcome back to the show. I've just spent a week on staycation, because even as lockdowns or stay-at-homes have been lifted in portions of the country, the specter of COVID-19 still looms large. Today, in timely fashion, I'm speaking with my friend, podcast rabbi, and coronavirus survivor, Rose. In this important episode, she talks frankly and candidly about her challenging experiences following her contraction of the disease. Listen closely. It's still out there. To what's eating you? A guest I had to have on. I've been waiting. You've been waiting. Well, I mean, in a way, you've always been here. Because as the longtime listeners of this nine-episode series will know, you, you helped me start this. Thank you. Your wisdom, your expertise, your position as the preeminent podcast person on our campus. Wow, this is making me sound really important. Exactly. I think I've told you... The only reason I am that is because I took all of the chances and made all of the mistakes so that I guess other people don't have to make them. Exactly. And I make fewer mistakes now. I mean, I still make tons of mistakes, but... Happy to help. Don't worry. I got to invest in the mic like you with the pop shield. Yeah, the windscreen is key. Do you pop a lot? Do you pop them? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't think I do. I, I don't know. I'm hoping it like shields my Western PA accent that comes out rarely. Probably a funny way of saying water. We do that in Southeast too. Yeah. All right. Well, as I said, welcome to the podcast. Thank Thanks. you for, for being on. I'm excited. As far as these things go, I guess I am too. We're going to, we're going to have a great time. Great time chatting. I'm actually. A, you did call me a good friend before this started. Yeah. A friend. A, a friend. You said a good friend. I think I was talking <laughs> about that as though, you know, conditionally <laughs> in the world where where we can be good friends and you can come on my pod. Maybe I'll come on yours next. Yeah. But just wanted to, um, to have, a, have a chat. Like I said, you, you sort of helped guide me in starting the, you know, like a lot of technical aspects of the pod, thinking about organization and cataloging. In fact, I changed all of the episode titles shortly after you made an excellent suggestion, I think, that I thought about, realized was, was the right one. Good. And, you know, you even, you're sort of pointing me towards certain subscription services and the like. Help me now put it on the the big podcast services so that I can tell people to listen and you know the thirty seven listeners I have or so which ones are you on now? Uh, I am on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and then I push out an RSS feed as well. Cool, good. Yeah, the Buzzsprout website also works pretty well with their sort of embedded yeah. player. If I ever create a website of my own, a personal website, I guess I could also embed them there. Yeah. Sure. Next step is probably to invest in a little bit more sophisticated recording equipment and you know, maybe even a soundproof booth. I was thinking about that. You know, I have these panels at work. It's too bad they're just sitting there collecting dust. Like, you know, you can make your own little podcast booth. You should do that. This is what I, I think you helped me help with a project many a couple of years ago. And I think that oh, was yeah. like, it's, it's like the kind of, um, you know, school project tripod yeah. type thing that you, yeah. yeah nest around yourself interesting you can also get 
one of those things that you put in front of yourself. And I think a lot of NPR reporters use it where the microphone is held in the middle and it's sort of like a giant windscreen. So you're like, it's, it's pretty cool. And it's a tabletop. Okay. Well, yeah, just learn something from you, learn something new from you every day. <laughs> but for those of those in the world who don't know who you are, Rose, yeah. maybe we can start with saying, I know you're okay because you are a Pennsylvania native as well. Yeah, but on the other side from you. So, you know, there's that. Yeah, my grandfather's from there, though, and the biggest thing is that because you have an AFC team, we don't have to root against the Eagles, really. It's sort of a neutral thing. True, true. But growing up in that area, we always hated Philadelphia and Jersey. Why? I don't know. There was a lot of hate. It was like, why would you ever go to New Jersey? Just because you were going to Sheets and stuff instead of Wawa? (laughs) I think so. It was just like, and it's funny because I feel like in New Jersey, no one cares about anyone from Western PA. So, but there's a lot of hate in Western PA for people from Jersey. So I try to, I try to dispel the myths. I get the PA Turnpike rivalry, that's for sure. Yeah. But yeah, the two corners, the two corners of PA, Southeast and I guess Southwest are are very different from the rest of the state as well. For sure. At least we have that in common. Pennsylvania, yeah, we do, we're good. Um, So aside from coming to PA and being my podcast rabbi, I think another interesting thing, you know, again, particularly seeing as I started this podcast and the quarantine times is that you are probably the one actual human who's more than a number. You are a, a friend, like you said, who who actually had a, an experience with COVID-19. Yeah, I think I'm your first COVID survivor on the podcast. That's right. You are the, the COVID survivor and you are in, you know, great health, physically active. You are one of those, um, well, I, I think the I think the brand name's been canceled, but you are a regular high intensity interval workout or whatever it is, right? Uh, oh yeah, I do that. Yep. Although if you're talking about CrossFit, which we can mention, uh, CrossFit was just, um, it has a new CEO who seems like a cool dude. <laughs> they made some changes. They have made some changes. Their CEO sold the business due to some remarks and whatnot. And yeah, so I'm okay. <laughs> You're saying the, the name of it right now. Yeah, I do cross it. And, and that's all to say that you are, you are what, you know, some people believe are safe, so to speak, yeah. from, from this disease, right? And I think you had, a, had a quite a different experience is what you told me at least. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know about safe, but I think that, you know, in the early stages, we were hearing that it hit people with, you know, certain, uh, like people of older ages, people who had certain heart disease, respiratory issues. And I don't really have any of that. So it was kind of confusing because I am, I would say a pretty healthy person otherwise, um, minus some iron issues, which I wonder actually if that was related to why I get got hit so hard. And I didn't really tell anybody that I had it while I had it, as you know, but I think people noticed that I kind of went dark on social media. You disappeared, you dropped off the map. <laughs> I got a couple of texts that were like, yo, you all right? And I'm like, oh yeah, I haven't posted. Cause like text, getting texts were actually pretty overwhelming. Just even responding to a text was pretty exhausting. And, and this is not because you got a lot of texts, it's because you, so the short version is we've not really talked extensively about it, but you've basically said it was the sickest you've ever been. Oh, 100%. And so, so I guess maybe um, I think people should hear this. Like, yeah. Explain to me what you mean by sort of the sickest, because you know people. It, it was allergy season, right? Like people right. get sniffly, and you know you don't feel great, and you have you know maybe you have head pressure or a stuffy nose yeah. or running. You know what was it like that sort of tipped you that it was not good? 
I think the first night I noticed it, it was March 25th. I remember I had done a workout with a friend, socially distanced. I came in my house. I don't know why, but I had a white claw. I don't know. I was just feeling it that night. And then I started feeling like really weird in the head. And I thought, well, that was stupid. I'm dehydrated. Why did I do that? Why did I drink that white claw? Right, exactly. Next day I woke up and I continued to have sort of like what felt like a sinus infection or like sinus pressure. And I was kind of getting a little tired. And I, I remember I was on a staff call for work and I even said, you know what, guys, I'm not feeling like 100%. So I might after this just go lay down for a little bit. Um, I'm fine. It's probably a head cold, not, not COVID. Because at that time, everybody was so panicky, you know. And then the next day, I got hit with an even bigger wave of fatigue than the day before. And literally, it snowballed from there with, I mean, every single symptom you have read about, I had. Minus the funky toe thing that people were getting in the hospital. But that, Wait, loss, loss of like taste and smell a little bit? Yeah, that came. I mean, I can walk you through like day by day if you want, because it was a full two weeks, 14 days. Wow. It began with sort of, um, you know, the head cold, achiness, fatigue, couldn't get out of bed kind of feelings. Then I think the second half, it's really hard to remember, to be honest. It's all kind of a blur. And it also, I sort of mentally cracked during all of this as well. Um, then I started getting really bad fevers. And that was, for me, the worst part because the fevers would coincide with not being able to breathe. So I'd have these fevers that were like 102, 103, 104. And so it felt like every day my job was to get rid of my fevers, like at any rate, like Tylenol, cold compress, cold shower, whatever. Um, and it would take, you know, it would go down for a little while. I'd be okay for maybe an hour, feel like not normal, but feel not hellish. Feel and better, then, relatively better. I would just not have a fever. Uh. I would still have all the other stuff, the fatigue and the pain, aches and pains and stuff. Then like a fever again would come in in like two hours. Wow. Um, then on top of that, I did lose like my, I, I just lost my appetite, appetite completely. The smell thing I, I didn't really notice. The taste thing was weird for me because it was more that my taste, taste was heightened. So like every, like everything that, like I was eating soup out of a can a lot and it would just taste super salty. Like all I could taste was sodium. Like I couldn't taste any other flavor, but salt. So it was just very heightened. And then I would try to like force down a protein bar here and there because I knew I wasn't really eating. And all I could taste was protein. Like even though it was supposed to taste like a chocolate protein wafer, it tasted just like straight disgusting protein, like whey protein. But I got to the point where I was like putting these like protein wafers in my mouth and just chugging water and just like hoping it would like slide down my throat so I could have some nutrition. Because as I told you, I lost eight pounds through the process. And, and was it, I guess, was it hard to keep food down or was it just like you, like you said, you didn't feel like eating anything, no appetite, no... What are you like nauseous? I'm trying, I'm trying to get a sense of the. Yeah. It began with nausea and just not really wanting to eat. And then part two, which, you know, in the middle of this, I had the no, the, the difficulty breathing spike temperature of 104. I was texting a friend who also had COVID and he said, I think you should go to the hospital. I was like, all right, I think I should too, because this is like kind of out of control. So I went to the hospital. You took yourself um, there. The ER. No, uh, okay. a friend okay. drove me. A friend who, ironically, I thought gave me COVID, but later we found out tested negative for antibodies. So she definitely put herself at risk. Thank you to that friend who did that. She was also like delivering, 
you know, Pedialyte and Tylenol and all my meds and all this stuff. Yeah, because you, like you said, you could barely get off the mat. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. I, I mean, towards the end, I couldn't even go up the stairs to go to my bedroom because I couldn't walk up the stairs without hyperventilating and not being able to mm. breathe. That was, that was one of the worst parts, especially being like a more athletic person, not being able to breathe is, is very, especially because you, I don't know. I definitely was pushing myself a little too hard certain at certain times. But anyway, I go to the hospital and they don't have enough tests because at that time there's like no tests. And she said, you know, you're not really like super high risk given your background. So we can't really give you a test. I'm going to just pump you full of fluids, Tylenol. You can like be here for a few hours. We'll monitor you, do blood work, do an EKG, the whole nine yards. And it turns out I had pneumonia from COVID. Wow. Yeah. So that's why my lung, like my breathing capacity was so bad, which made sense. Come back from, oh, so in the hospital, she said, like, she's asking me about my symptoms and she said, and this is like super TMI for your podcast, but sorry. She just said like, have you had any like diarrhea or like digestive issues? And I was like, no, she's like, oh, you will. And like two days later. And so that's why I stopped eating because every time I ate, I like, I couldn't keep any food down. It was I was like, you have to be kidding me at this point, like to go through all that. And then, <laughs> then you have digestive issues on top of it. It was like, just like a punch, but th- thankfully, um, I didn't have to go back to the hospital again. Cause she sort of said to me, you don't want to be here. This is not the place to be. Do your best to just stay at home and take care of yourself and get better. Come back if you can't breathe. But meaning ventilator, basically. Correct. But you know, at that time, little was known. I was reading so many articles online because I'd have friends that would text and say, how can I help you? And it was really nice, but it was also like, I don't know how to tell you to help. I just have to wait this out. And every day people would say like, are you better? I'm like, no, I'm not better. Please stop asking me. Like, I'll tell you when I'm better because it was just exhausting to respond. And so there was one day a friend texted and I said, look up any articles you can find on people's experiences so that I can see what is ahead for me and when this is going to be over. So this friend sent me a couple articles and I was like reading people's personal accounts and you know, it actually helped me get through a lot. Cause I thought, okay, if I could just like do this on my own, cause I was reading the accounts of the ventilators and seeing what happened in those cases. And I was like, I'm not going back there. Uh, and I had one night where I would say I was like on bordering on possible collapse, like didn't, I don't want to say I didn't think I'd make it through the night because that sounds really dramatic, but it was a very bad night of fevers. Could not get rid of them. They were like all night long highs and the breathing. And I don't know. It was a really, really bad night, like out loud praying, but I was like, I'll do anything at this point, like to get through this night. So, and then once I got through that night, it seemed like things kind of, there was, it was like a turning point or something. Was that in the middle towards the end? I'm curious where that fell in the. I feel like. I got better on a Thursday. I think that was like a Sunday. So it was like a couple of days before I started feeling like I was recovering. And, and you had, like you said, you had your full two weeks of, of illness. Yeah. So, full two. so it's, that was deep into the second week. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. And all those days kind of blurred together, to be mm-hmm. honest. I started like at one point taking a lot of vitamin C. Hmm. I feel like it did kind of help. I was taking like mad amounts of emergency because my friend who had COVID told me that that helped him. So I was like doing all these weird concoctions with vitamin C and I do think it made a difference because I started feeling a little better. Right. Hydrating, just sort of staying, keeping those, yeah. those water-soluble vitamins up. Right. But I did sleep in a lot of weird locations, you know, like 
nothing was ever comfortable. And like I told you, I couldn't always go up to my room. So I'd like sleep on my pullout couch. I'd sleep like on my regular couch, the floor. That wasn't very comfortable. Yeah. I felt bad for my cat because I like sneezed on her a few times. I was like, and then I saw this report. The cats were getting COVID. I'm like, shit, my cat. How do you think she handled it for the most part? Okay. I feel like I neglected some of her basic needs. Like the litter box was definitely not clean because it's in my basement and I just didn't go down there for a while. And that made me feel bad. But yeah, I mean, I, I mean, people say like, why didn't you call me? I would have come and taken care of you, but I'm kind of glad that I, was like riding it out by myself because I would have exposed some, you know, other people. And although it did, like I said, I kind of had a mental break in the middle there. And it was when like when Tiger King was really popular, I was watching that. I'm like, what am I watching? What was happening to me? It was just, yeah. I was gonna say, this is the most candid I've been about COVID. At first, I really didn't want to tell anyone because I felt like stigmatized by it. Really? How so? I don't know. I think it was that I kept getting texts where people kept asking me what all my symptoms were and it felt a little invasive, mm-hmm. but I later realized they were asking cause they just didn't know anyone who had it and they were curious. Mm-hmm. I kind of kept it like, like I, my parents knew and I told them not to tell anyone in our family. So they didn't really tell anyone. Really? Until, yeah. My dad would call me like three times a day to make sure, you know, and he, he could always tell if I was having a good hour based on how I sounded when he would call. Sometimes he'd get into golf and I was like, dad, I I just can't, I can't talk about golf right now. (laughs) Like just to try to like, you know, change the subject or something. But yeah, I don't know. I was just really weird about it. And then, you know, watching people be kind of careless has made me want to talk about it a little more. Cause like, what, what did I do that I got it? It, Was it a careless choice? I think when you and I talked about it, that was one of my questions, right? Some of it for me is like how we know this thing is very transmissible, and I still think we don't know everything about how it spreads, although thankfully, at least now, conventional wisdom, what, 90, 100 days later says, wear a mask, right? right. Aside from, you know, washing hands and stuff. And, you know, I think even at the time when you became ill, we were sort of under stay-at-homes, I think, or, you know, yeah. certainly we were working remotely. And so I was, you know, curious, you know, if you had still, again, it's hard to know for sure, definitively, but thinking about how you could have even been exposed. Yeah, it's tough because like I said, I was kind of blaming that one friend and then she she tested negative for antibodies and so but then I did have two other friends who tested positive for antibodies. So and they're you know, people that I work out with and that's you know, you're sweating, you're breathing. I don't know. Yeah. And we know it spreads when people are asymptomatic, right? So Right. Also, like I went to ShopRite a lot, but you know, because everybody was like going and buying stuff. And I don't know, I feel like ShopRite's kind of funky and touching carts. And I don't think I was really being super safe during that. I wasn't wearing a mask because that was before masks were really mandatory. But yeah, it's hard. It's hard to know. But I will say the other people I know who had it did not have it as severely as me. One of them didn't have symptoms at all. And the other one had like mild to moderate symptoms. So somehow I got hit the hardest, which I don't know. I wonder if it's the blood type. I have no idea. So much we don't know, but like you said, even knowing the spectrum, I don't know. Because I think there's both, right? I think people are in this weird zone where because they don't know someone, you know, it's easier to believe that it, it either isn't spreading in the way that it is or that it's more like an abstract academic thing. And it's like spreading right. in other states, for example, even though obviously New Jersey and bordering New York were one of the, the epicenter, essentially. Right. Well, and, you know, in Western PA, in the, in the county I'm from, they've had 58 cases total. I mean, that, 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 data, that data might be two weeks old that I'm referencing, but 
I mean, it's nothing in a huge county. And so I'm like an anomaly to them when my parents say like, oh yeah, Rose had COVID, you know? And, and my parents have taken it very seriously, I think more seriously than people back home because of it. I mean, my mom, my, my dad and his wife live in Florida. So, you know, it's crazy down there too, but. Yeah, another burgeoning epicenter. I keep wondering, will it have like life lasting effects? I wish I knew that. Cause sometimes my heart gets a little racy these days and I'm like, am I just like working out too hard or is that related to COVID? Like I have this thing in the back of my mind, like why is my heart? Cause you hear of people having strokes or heart attacks or different things happening to them after the fact. I mean, I don't think that happens a lot, but it's scary. I think that's right. Again, we don't know the science, but yet I think enough about it, but you know, there are all kinds of uh, things that have essentially been eradicated now, you know, even in the last hundred years, that look at polio, right? That sort of had life-altering impacts, severe and, and minor, yeah. for for people who contracted it in their at some point in their lives. Yeah. You know? and like you said, if you're in a certain category or a certain age, it's 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 possible that 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 catching the disease itself might be you know terminal, but for a lot of other people, these are become chronic things. It seems right. Yeah, I mean, like I said before, I. I do have anemia and that could be maybe a factor. I don't know. Like, cause I, you know, a couple of years ago I had to get a blood transfusion and I don't know. I just, I do feel strongly about like a blood component. I don't know. I need to find out my blood type cause I don't know what it is. I'm just, cause you know, they've been putting out studies about, uh, I guess, O is you're 50% less likely to get hit hard or something like that. I don't know, but here I am. It's, it's interesting you brought this up today because I was looking at like, I take these like, you know, before, you know, progress picks, uh, to see my, my gym gains. And mm, I took, a, <laughs> I took a picture the day before I got COVID. And then I took one today and I like put them side by side just to see if there was like a difference. And I, you know, I actually have like losses or gains I, I, gains, I think. Okay. Yeah. Which is good because like the recovery road was terrible. Mm. Like I wasn't, somebody asked me like, when, when did you feel 100? And it was probably six weeks after the first day that I had COVID. So even after you recovered, what was that period like? Like the, the after even? Yeah. I, that's a long, I didn't realize it was a full six weeks, which is, you know, obviously longer than you had the symptoms of COVID, but geez. I would say the entire thing was six weeks. So like two weeks of COVID. Okay. And then four weeks where lung capacity built up by maybe 20% or something each week thereafter. Mm. So like week mm. one was like, I'm going to try to walk from my house to the end of the street and back and see how that feels without, and I would get out of breath and winded and have to take a knee. Yeah. Take a knee, heart pumping. Then like we, the next week was like, can I do a workout? And I'm like, Oh no, I definitely can't. <laughs> it's like my legs got like really skinny, like not skinny for me, but you know, like I had like no muscle from that whole two week period of doing nothing. My Apple watch rings were like completely blank for two weeks. Um, so then it was like, can I lift any weight? And that was like a no. And then the next week it was like, okay, I can lift a little weight, do a little bit more of a walk. Like I just went running for the first time, like maybe two or, well, maybe a month ago now. Yeah. Running was a big fee. I didn't know if I'd be able to run for a while. Mm -hmm. Cause when I tried once, it was like a disaster, just like out of control heart rate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Geez. Well, I just replenished my COVID chili, um, last week. <laughs> You know, I have a, I keep thinking about that, like you said, the two week thing. And of course my mind's like, well, what would I eat for two weeks? Even though it sounds like I might not be hungry, but yeah, you know, just 
even then I'm like, Jesus, is it going to be too much work to like defrost and you know reheat stuff? If you had COVID? Exactly. I've read some other, I've read, if I, you know, if I get it, like you said, like some people get it. If I, I read another account that was very similar to yours of a person who basically the big thing they were saying was it was a struggle to get out of bed and like to the bathroom oh, or yeah. the kitchen, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I remember it being a struggle to even like, I would like open the can of soup and put it in the, you know, saucepan. And even that felt like a lot. And I would just leave the soup in there all day and like eat it again later and not even bother. I know it's probably gross, mm-hmm. but, and the only soup I could have is like Campbell's chicken noodle soup. Cause it's pretty like generic, basic tasting, but like other organic soups tasted terrible. Like my normal, mm. you know, healthier options. Yeah. Well, I also know I get the low sodium because if the things I can taste are really like the nutrition, the nutrition facts, that's going to be oh, yeah. hard to get by. Well, the one day I ordered Chipotle, I don't know why I, I was just like, I could, I didn't want to cook. And I was like, there's a lot of, you know, there's protein, whatever. I threw the whole thing away. I took like one bite and it was just like a salt bomb. I just tossed it. It was terrible. Anchorman, this burrito is so good, but it's so filling. <laughs> <laughs> it was bad. It was, it also arrived sucker. cold. So there was, <laughs> the DoorDash was not like up to speed yet. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The food thing has been interesting because once I was able to eat again, I'm like, oh my God, I miss like, you know, you feel I feel like I was taking for granted when I had taste and could digest food, <laughs> you know? So maybe, maybe a pivot there. What's emerging from COVID, like you said, recovering physically, uh, I hope in uh, you know, all the ways, once you saw the light down the tunnel, but tell me about the food experience. What have you, how did you turn back to that then once you, you know, tossed your cans of Campbell's soup away? Good question. Well, you know, right before I got COVID, I was doing like a, a cut they'll call it, you know, I was counting macros and trying to lose weight. And I was actually just like ending the cut. It was like a three month thing I was doing. So I had ended that like right when I got COVID. Then like I told you dropped like another eight pounds. So I hadn't really been eating a lot of carbs, like, uh, like complex, you know, like crackers or bread or things like that. So that was sort of my return to carbs month where I was kind of like, I lost so much weight. I'm going to eat pretty much any carbs I want for a while, whatever tastes good. So I was doing that. Now I've kind of reined it in a little bit, but it's nice to be on like maintenance mode and not be eating cauliflower rice for two meals a day. But I feel like I did jump on a bunch of the, like the trends that people were doing, like the banana bread, you know, the, I know you've been baking a lot of bread, but you know, the baking, I told you about my experience with that stupid whipped coffee where I like. Oh yeah. What, what is that? Cause that was like a TikTok viral, viral experience. You yeah. actually made it. I did did it like once and it was stupid. I, I burnt the shit out of a pot and did it wrong. And cause I was trying to use regular coffee beans and, or grinds instead of, um, you're supposed to use instant. It makes a difference. So then I got instant coffee and I made it once and I was like, this doesn't really taste that good. I just want regular coffee. But yeah, like, I, I don't know. I think just enjoying carbs again. And I feel, you know, I was talking to a friend earlier cause she said she's lost 10 pounds, um, not COVID related, just on, in, you know, in quarantine. And I said, well, you know, we're not really eating out anymore as much as we probably were before. Because if you think about if you're buying lunch and you're going out for drinks after work or whatever, all the calories, all the sodium, you know, if you're cooking everything, you're going to keep your weight down. It makes sense. I do take out like once a week, you know. But yeah, I've enjoyed like pasta and carbs and I like to cook, you know, so. So what's your specialty? Specialty. Ooh. I wasn't prepared for that question. Hmm. 
I don't know. I don't think this is a specialty, but I've been doing a lot of grilling because I got a grill last summer and I got it late in the season when it was on sale. So I didn't have time to use it. So I've been grilling steak like crazy. Actually, that's the great thing about being anemic is that the doctor's like, you need to eat more red meat. So I'm like, well, I'm going to do that. So I eat a lot of steak, which you've probably seen on my Instagram, probably too much steak because now I have high cholesterol, but <laughs> slightly elevated cholesterol. But yeah, I've been enjoying the steak. Um, experimenting with some like marinades for chicken on the grill. Um, having, you know, I have sometimes my, a few CrossFit friends will do like a workout and come over and do some grilling. And so I experiment on them with like different, you know, marinades. I have a really good one. Actually, you should put it in the show notes. I'll, I'll send you the link. Do you do show, you, okay. you do show notes? I, yeah, I can do something. <laughs> if people are interested, it was, it was amazing. And what do you put it on? Chicken? Mm-hmm. But it ha- I use like liquid smoke in it, which is pretty cool. Hmm. You ever use liquid smoke? No. I bought it for a recipe like two years ago, used it once, forgot about it, then found this recipe. And it just gives it a really nice smoky flavor on top of the grill flavor. It's pretty good. Yeah, but I feel like my other meals have been pretty basic and straightforward. I've literally eaten a salad with like tuna on it like every day for weeks. It's just like, but I've been eating crackers sometimes at lunch, which is a nice treat for me. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I think I think that's an interesting feature of and you kind of touched on it when you talked about like being at work and going out and other things. And one of that is just part of that is sort of the way these things stack up. And so you might not think that about the sort of number of times, for example, that you're eating. And then you get more granular and it's like, well, what's the portion size or even what's inside of it, right? Because when you're making yeah. things yourself, you have great control, I would hope, over over what you're making and what you're what you're eating, putting into your, into your body. But there's this other sort of piece of an element of discipline, maybe that is sort of psychological and choice, you know, and sort of fatigue, mental fatigue. And that, you know, I think you talk about eating cauliflower rice, for example, multiple times, or, you know, there's probably a, a general set of routine, likely people, I think just naturally do this yeah. routine of what they will do or eat, especially if they're making it. And, and as you will know from your templates, the sort of meal prep universe also lends itself to the, I'm going to have this three or four times for lunch and yeah. a version of that for dinner, maybe, or, you know, something like that. So I don't like thinking too much about what I'm going to eat. I, you know, it's the same with like my exercises. I, that's why I go to a place where they plan them for me. Cause I don't want to have mm-hmm. to think about, I don't want to have to t- spend the time to really think about that too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think about outdoor dining? Like how, what, what's your, I haven't done it yet, but I, I know people have, and I'm like kind of worried about it, but I think I just have PTSD a little bit. Yeah, I think it depends on the distance and the and the duration, right? So how about this? So I went to my barber yesterday, right? Oh. And part of it is because I, I have a good relationship with him. So he's, it's actually around the corner from the house I purchased, uh, the shop the guy opened. I think he opened it basically right about the same time I bought my house. Uh, I've been going to him since he used to work in Princeton. So we have this good relationship. And I basically was asking him, like, what's it going to be? What are you doing, essentially, to make it safe? And so I went yesterday. And I think, frankly, they did everything that they that they needed to do to do effective screening and to reduce risk. And so I talked to him about his process. And he said, basically, the thing for them that's really changed is they're doing a lot more sanitation now. And barbering, you already have to be pretty sanitary because of the number of actually really grody things that can, that can be sort of transmitted if people don't have clean tools or hands while they're working. So from that perspective, it's good. I think from the other perspective of transmission, 
the thing that they did that again made it comfortable for me is that they basically cut down virtually everyone who's in the shop. So normally, it's, you know, people are coming and going. Uh, you know, there could be a number of people. People are waiting. They went to fully scheduled um, appointments. They have the seats partitioned now. They put up. Uh, they're clear, so that you know they need light too to see. But so they're clear plastic, but they're big screens, like stand up. Uh, probably, you know, if they're six by six, uh, that might be the smallest they are. That they sort of use the screen workstation. Uh, you know, they had the ventilation going, which I know is it helps. And then it was really just like, you know, you have to. And I think some of this came from the state of New Jersey, like regulations and guidelines about screening, pre-screening people with questions. And in fact, kind of a glimpse probably into what workplaces and and other institutions will do when they sort of go back to more limited, low density operations. Yeah. But you know, they took my temperature at the door, and then at every point of the service where I could wear a mask, they made me they made me as well wear a mask. As I said, and they were wearing masks and face shields actually. In fact, I joked I was kind of like I feel like this is probably like what going to the dentist is like right now. Yeah. You know, because there are a lot of medical things that people need to do, and oh, you know, you're looking yeah. at somebody's mouth, you're right there. They have those big plastic face shields, and so my barber had one. How did it work with the beard? Like, I don't understand. So for the beard, that's where he, so he made sure to wear a face shield there. He, I didn't wear a mask then. Okay, obviously. When they, when they actually did the beard. Yeah. But, you know, he had a mask on and the face shield and basically worked quickly. Let's not see why and your then, beard is looking so tight today. Well, he says it is really full. I just have, you know, it's come up now, but um, <laughs> good, good maintenance. Yeah. Um, good genetics. You know, like, and there's not zero risk, but frankly, I don't like would I be in there. And there was probably an, and they built a long buffer, a big window in so that I'm not interacting with any other customers or anything like that. But there was a long period where only there were two barbers working, my barber and his cousin. And there was a, a long period where there were only th the three of us in the shop. Hmm. You know, yeah. because of the way things got scheduled. And, and I'm like, that's actually perfect. That's good. You know? Yeah. For sure. I paid it, you know, and, and they did have to change their pricing. So I paid a little bit of a premium, but frankly, that in a, in a joking way, that's what I would have done. You know, I would have been like, yeah, can I pay extra so, to ensure that if I buy out the other seat, you know, whatever, whatever it takes. Right. So and I think they did that. They staggered their appointments a little bit. They made a similar prediction, like some podcasters I listen to who are, you know, like into CrossFit and gyms and whatever. And they made a similar prediction about gyms, like that you might need to pay a premium if you want to go to a particular class that might be like higher density. I don't know. I, it's, it's interesting. Um, I feel like the, well, it has to be the opposite. I think it has to be yeah, lower density. Yeah. I think this is more like, yeah, I see what you're saying. Good point. Hmm. Because there are some things, like you said, like indoor dining, for example, yeah. I won't do it. I won't go to bars. I won't go to bars probably for a year. I won't wow. go to movie theaters for like a year. I know. I've, I thought about this. It's crazy. Right. Wow. But, yeah. If that, but I'm not going to be doing that stuff certainly for the rest of the year. And probably for a while. I'll do curbside takeout. I would consider outdoor, but I would want to see the configuration. Yeah. You know, I'd want to see where people were going, where, you know, how they were seated and what's up. If, if basically people would say, okay, our outdoor patio, the way it is now is open. I yeah. Go. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, you, know? you wouldn't go or you would go? I would not go if things were just like normal, you know, like, hey, yeah, the tables are, yeah. you know, you got to wind through the tables yeah. to get it. That's too close. Yeah. That's too close. And like I said, for too long. Yeah. You know, I really haven't missed bars. I mean, I had like kind of cut down on my drinking, so I wasn't going to bars as much. I miss the people I would see at the bar. I think that's the other component, right? Because yeah. let, let's be real, I, I have beer in my house. You right. Know? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's not it's not that that I'm missing, but it is like nice to sort of 
it's like really what I think people have really struggled with in general around quarantine and distancing is sort of the way in which social the social component has shifted and you yeah. know, we're social animals and we had routines and and set environments and you know I think this is why for for example churches have really struggled yeah. and, and pushed back in a big way because for a lot of people that's been their sort of you know not just spiritually although that's really important and people have you know I think tried to find ways to replace that but the social the community mm-hmm. that one finds in the in the church or can find in the church is I think something that people have also have also lost and you know for me in a lot of ways you know because I'm not I wasn't going nightclubbing and stuff, right? Or you know, the, even the post-work thing, right? Social. How do you, how do you have that space? And and even though our work has changed, because if you think about it, even if bars were open now, in a world where we're working remotely, that's also really not that necessary, right? You know, to have that work time with people in that way, you just have to shift it to adapt. Right. And so I think again, now three months on, we've seen sort of major rewirings perhaps for some people and and again you and i don't have you know kids running around family i know a lot of coworkers who probably are <laughs> struggling in yeah. other ways because home is not you know even just the home office and the workplace you know that sort of piece but the family piece because you know at least and again there's this pressure to always be on although you know being on vacation this week i've been really good i think about you know walking right by my computer to you know not caring about the emails and giving it yeah. space because we're, we're going to have a busy summer and oh, fall yeah. as it is. Yeah. But this other piece of, you know, families don't unplug. And for some people who go to work for eight, nine hours and had daycare or school, that was sort of a, the little break they got there yeah. before their kids then reconsume all their, all their time. Okay. So, so I, you know, pets are one thing, but <laughs> even, even pets who have also had to rewire how they exist around us and are going to struggle when we, when we peace out again. Yeah, definitely although it's going to be a long time from now, they, they, I think at least are different. They have a different internal world. I think most, most pets, all, they're all, they're all different, but their, their internal world isn't as reliant on us as a child, human child. Oh yeah, definitely. Know? I mean, just to go back on something you said about, you know, people struggling with like, I guess the social part of isolation, I think having COVID made me kind of the opposite because I was so happy to eventually be able to do things that I was like, you know, doing stuff in the yard, doing stuff at the house. Cause I'm like, finally, I have like the energy to do this. And like, I wasn't really missing. I, I missed my friends. Don't get me wrong, but I wasn't missing. I didn't feel isolated. So when people were like, you know, saying how much quarantine was like sucking their soul away, I was kind of like not understanding that because for me, I had dealt with COVID related stuff for so long that I was just happy to be able to do things. And it didn't feel as isolating, I guess, like for me. I don't know. It's kind of strange, strange way of explaining it, but yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it's, you know, there's this sort of um, two-pronged piece. I think one is this whole idea of like the introverts and the extroverts, right? And I think, yeah. I do think, again, just given like our modern society routine, very few of us do like the Grizzly Adams thing, you know, and like live completely off the grid and disconnected. Um, those people are doing their thing anyway. But for most people, even those who like like their weekends to themselves or want to come home, you know, and, and veg out, this is still really disruptive because, for example, even during the workday, you get an incredible amount of in-person interaction by going to the office and, you know, having these meetings and, you know, all that sort of stuff that is very different virtually and or when you're sort of at home. But I also think there's this other piece that's kind of, a, you sort of said a version of this, I, maybe not exactly what you meant, but this thought about 
like what's important, right? I think recontextualizing some meaning. I've had a lot of that, you know, oh, like yeah. what, realizing what you've been centering. When everything's been taken away, stripped away, you, I think, very clearly start to see, like you said, your breath as a, as a, exactly. as a key example. Yeah, you, know? you put that right. You start to see like, what's this other stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and at the end of the day, you know, did this thing with that person that, you know, I, I was really put like, why was I, why did I even think about that? You know? And now, flush a lot from my mind even. It's like the photos I was telling you about earlier when I was looking for the gains, like, you know, I sent it to some girlfriends and they were like, oh, you look great, whatever. And, you know, and I was like, thanks. But I was like, honestly, I don't actually really care about how I look. I'm just like, what I see in that picture is like someone who's able to do something again. And it's that simple, like able to put in work, whether it's work, work, physical labor, because I took for granted that ability that I had to be able to be mentally with it, to be physically with it. And like, I feel like COVID just sort of like drops, drops you to your knees on that. Like, it's just, I don't know, not to be being super serious about it, but I mean, it also shows you like, you know, I live in this great community. I think this is what I was going to say earlier about food. I did not go to the grocery store for like weeks, months, because the people in my neighborhood would text and say like, can I grab you anything? So there's this one woman down the street who brings me bananas like every week because that was something that I needed a lot. You actually got me bananas at one point, if you recall. Um, (laughs) So like people, you know, friends, whatever, kind of helped out. So I didn't really need to go grocery shopping, which was great because I would just sort of tack on to other people's orders. And that kindness meant a lot. There's a lot of of, good acts of kindness in my neighborhood. Like uh, on Easter, somebody went around putting these uh, plastic flowers in everybody's yard that spin. Um, and then on May Day, somebody put roses on every porch in a little vase. It's like super sweet stuff. It was nice. really brought out the kindness in people around here. Yeah, yeah, cul-de-sac living. <laughs> I don't live in a cul-de-sac, but yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I think, you know, uh, you're right. There's community and there's, and there's you know, like, like you said, interesting, interesting ways that we are still connected. It's good to see that, that I don't know, I feel like I, I started seeing more I didn't, you know, some of these neighbors, I don't really know. I don't know if you experienced that, but I'd go on these walks and I started seeing these people. I'm like, who is that? I'm like, oh, okay. They live in the neighborhood and people started walking all the time, you know, and it was great to finally meet some of those people. Yeah. I see it every day from my window and when I'm outside and, you know, like you said, cruising around, I live on a park. So I wind up running across a lot of people. And it's like you said, it's eye-opening in a lot of ways because of the way we live, mm-hmm. modern living. I guess if yeah. you're in your home, you're in your car, you're point A to point B. Your time is limited in those spaces. Yeah. And and so, you know, like I said, we have to reimagine our community because we're not going to go back to the one that is our workplace for some time. Yeah. And B, I think I want to reimagine that because you know, looking even if things were to go back, it's like first of all, that can all be gone like that. That we now know. And two, you have to build something beyond it. Even thinking about, you know, people with like transitions or, um, you know, retire or, you know, sometimes it's not even voluntary, right? It's no, not our choice of looking out in the industries of other, of other friends and people who have, you know, been furloughed or, or, right. or laid off. Like, you can't control that. You know, we don't know the hour or the day, but, you know, at some point, it's like, well, what did, what did you actually want your life to stand for? And, you know, is that... 40, 50, 60 hours a, a week you do on behalf of, granted, someone gives you money for it. I right, think, but, right. 
So I'm doing this podcast. No one's paying me for this yet. Not even <laughs> not yet. Not even the air fryer industry. Although you know, there's been a true. lot of air fryer discussion. Actually, that's funny you brought that up because uh, you know, post COVID, I realized that I had bought an air fryer for my younger brother for, oh my God. for Christmas, and I forgot it here at home instead of taking it to PA. And so it was wrapped in a closet like upstairs, and I was like, I'm just going to open this and start using this because everyone's using air fryers, and I want to see what this is all about. So I have it like on my counter. I don't like it as much as one of your your one of your guests was like really big in it, and I like it a lot. Don't get me wrong, but I don't like it as much as they were. You know, I, I feel like maybe I'm doing something wrong because it's not cooking. So I've I've done some research now, and two of the guests have what I imagine the kind you have, like the the black stand up one with the basket. Yeah, two of them have that, and I think I don't think I would like that. The the other guest who loved it, who doesn't have a microwave, has a different one that is. I looked it up. It's damn near two hundred dollars, and it is basically a mini convection oven. Okay, it's like a toaster oven style, yeah. essentially the countertop, but it's it's actually and I love convection ovens, so that I get. Yeah, that makes more sense. More so than the little sort of like broiler style. It sort of just saves me time. Like if I you yes. know I can put throw something in there and throw something yes. in the actual oven. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I get that it does it, but for me it's like it doesn't do enough and. I'm I'm tempted by the by the by the other one though. Anyway, I liked the episode you had with one of your friends who he had a kitten, right? That was the the toaster of an air fryer guy. Yeah, yep. yeah. I was like, this is this is up my alley. Cat talk. That usually means <laughs> that's, like, a, that's the next podcast. Yeah, I feel like though you know at a party when people start talking about their cats, that's when you know the party is like over. Oh yeah. So I don't know if that means <laughs> that this episode is over. I think we might have we might have <laughs> we might have killed it here. Every journey has an end. It's true. Is there anything else you wanted to cover on what's eating you? We'll bring you back next season. What's we'll bring you back next season. Oh, really? Maybe if there is a second season. What's the season two focus going to be on? Is it? Is I we haven't gotten that far. I just keep saying it so people who have ideas. I'm just like, oh, that's good. We'll we'll bring that back in season two, and who's then they're like, oh, who's this we? And the we haven't gotten that far. Is that just you? Yeah, me and my team. Your team, your team. Who's who's actually on your team? You can be on the team. Do I get paid? Wow. I, when, I, you get paid when I get paid. <laughs> That's on, I'll, you, I'll you work. Get, you get me paid. paid. Yeah, you get me paid and you'll get paid. I think this could take off. Well, you have other people you've been consulting with on this, I imagine. I have a broad team with all things my in my life. You know, how, how do I get where I am? Not alone. Wow. Not alone. That's, That's right. Cool. Use that network. Use it. This has been great. It has. Like I said, until season two, or until we uh, see one another again in the real. Sounds good. Masked and socially distant. Of course, six feet apart. Always a pleasure, Rose. Thank you. Likewise, thanks for having me. Bye. And that wraps up another episode of What's Eating You. Thanks to Rose for sharing her personal experience, as well as giving me a clear indication that this interview was over. Until next time, cat people, please stay safe, and where possible, stay home, and always wear a mask. Talk soon.